Hey guys, this is uh, Joe748, and I'm here with Magician and Joe98, and we're going to do a podcast for you guys. It's just going to be me solo. Uh, Colin is getting ready to go on a long international trip uh, with his whole family, so that takes a little bit of prep with that many kids. <laughs> so we're going to give it a go, and um, yeah, hope, hopefully you guys don't miss Colin too much. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, good. Thanks for having me. Nice to be here. Magician, yeah, what's been going on? We heard you came back to the U.S. to pay us a little visit or pay the casinos a little visit. Yeah, so um, I I am also Stephen Bridges, same person, just in case <laughs> there's any confusion there. So, yeah, um, wanted to do a trip, and I wanted to do a Louisiana trip, mainly because when I'm filming stuff, I want to film in a, in a state where it's, it's legal to film. I just wanted to really cover my back, so I kind of looked up states where you could legally hidden camera and uh louisiana was one of those and i thought let's do a trip around the southern states and then i sort of got got in touch with the sort of group chat rest of the sort of team that i have and just was mentioning this and then it sort of expanded as being the possibility of a bit more of a team trip and then um before we before we knew it we had joe and another teammate and uh yeah we all went to the u.s playing in different states on a team bankroll for about three weeks nice um, so yeah, Joe 98, can you give us a little bit of background about you? How you got into card counting and how you two met? Well, I got into card counting because I was into blackjack originally. Um, went to the casino with one of my friends back in, must have been 2019, and we played the game and I really enjoyed it. And I think I was probably looking at blackjack strategy on YouTube and came across one of the blackjack apprenticeship videos. And um, I thought, mm, yeah, I could probably be good at that. And yeah, I gave it a go and um, really, really enjoyed it. Nice. Um, do, so do you live in the UK as well? Or are you in the United States? No, I live in the UK, um, Brighton on the South Coast. Okay, cool. So then you guys just you guys met through the website. And uh, you're like, hey, let's uh, put all our money together and just go ahead. I was speaking to Colin just before I started and he um, recommended that I speak to Steve and a couple of other people from Europe uh, to network with. And um, so yeah, we met up I don't know, when did we meet up? It must have been about October 2020 or so. And, um, yeah, not even that long ago, really. No. It's, yeah, it must be about a year and a half. Um, and yeah, then met up with the other team member and um, yeah, it just got on really well, I think. Uh, and then eventually I became part of the uh, the bigger team. And um, yeah, and this was this this trip that we've just done was my very first team trip as well. So it was nice. definitely a good experience. How far away do you guys live from each other? Oh, actually, uh, really, about pretty close. Oh, wow. Nice. That's awesome. Everyone that I play on a team with or have played with, I think, is because of BJA. <laughs> like, it's always yeah. been Colin going, you should get in touch with this person. <laughs> and then, you know, they'll know people and it's sort of expanded that way. So I think when uh, when I met Joe, I already knew people that knew Joe. So it's, it's just like a really easy decision to just sort of like yes. go and hang out and sort of the trust is kind of already there because I trust the people that, that know Jay. Yeah. So. Uh, when you guys met in person, was it, was it, did you like test each other out just to make sure you two are legit or how did, how did you two navigate that whole thing? I don't know, but I remember Steve showed me some magic. Uh, <laughs> so he did bring, when he brought the pack of cards out, I thought, Oh, is he going to test me out now? But no, he just ended up doing some magic. Which was 
Yeah, I did a, a, a card counting themed magic trick, which is just something I love to show card counters because it kind of just messes with their heads a bit because they're not quite sure initially if I've just got superhuman memory or if it's a magic trick. Joe 98, were you, did you have a bankroll before this or like were, were you saving up a bunch to just go play on your own? Like what, what was your plan before you two met? Um, well, I started with £5,000 um, and had really good variants right from the off. Uh, I, I never needed to go into that 5,000 more than about 600 pounds. And I think I built that up to, um, before this trip, I built that up to about 55,000 or 60,000 nice. or so. And that was only awesome. after, um, I think that was 465 hours of play. And that was just in London or like in the UK? Or it was is in it- the whole UK, but in the okay, process cool. I ended up getting banned from most casinos in the UK as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, as is the way with playing in the yeah, UK. Absolutely. Right, yeah. And is it is it a lot more like harsh as far as like it's way harder to get back in there after you're banned or Yeah, well you I mean you have to play rated in the UK. You can't get past reception without uh showing your ID. Right. So and obviously mo- most of the casinos are a part of one of the big chains. So once you lose one of those, you lose them all. Oh, that's really annoying. Did you have plans to come to the US to play before you met Steven or? um not before i met him no i did i've now played in the us twice the first one was november last year and that was a solo trip um and i've sort of learned since then that uh, as far as america goes at least i I much prefer playing in a team it's just much more enjoyable yeah how did that solo trip go for you um it went pretty good um yeah, I can't really complain about the money. It's just after after expenses, it's just it wasn't really worth my it wasn't as much worth my time as I'd hoped it would be. Right. What what was like the biggest expense for you? Probably just probably just the hotels. Yeah. Um, I mean I included my food in the expenses as well, which some I know some people don't do. So I, I just really included everything that I was that I was spending there. What was uh like your experience like compared to the UK? Yeah, very, very different. Um because obviously I'd never been I'd never been backed off before because you don't get backed off in the UK. So that was an interesting experience. Um I was quite looking forward to getting backed off actually. And um I was really excited when the first one happened. Um it gets sold pretty quickly though. Uh just to yeah, clarify. More frustrating than anything else. But um yeah, that's that's the main difference, I think. Um and then getting flyed as well, and then lasting 15 minutes in every casino in the area before you're asked to leave it's just a bit there's a bit draining you know in the uk we're used to just camping out all day you can just sit at one table for eight hours and just keep on playing oh nice <laughs> that's realistic over in the us yeah i was just going to clarify regarding the uh the back offs that it's <laughs> it's more that they'll just revoke our membership so there's never like an actual it's like the most passive aggressive thing ever because you just rock up one day and then you can't go back in. So it's very rare that you actually get the tap. Has happened to me, but most of the time they'll just take away your membership status and then you just can't get in that casino or any of the casinos that that brand owns in the whole of the UK. So there's a couple companies that own, I think it's like a third each or something. It feels like that anyway. So yeah, you can get a bit of table time until you can't and then that's it. And unfortunately, myself and Joe, we're just twiddling our thumbs went over in the UK really. Ugh. So, like, what's the heat situation like in the UK? I mean, like, is the pit boss behavior very different? Or, like, do they just kind of not give you anything and then one day you show up and you you can't get in? Like, is it 
do they hint at it ever? It sort of depends on the place. Some of the the more exclusive clubs will be a bit more sweaty in how they act. And I've had it before where they, they're literally inputting your bet every single time you bet something. They're, they're writing it into like a machine. Or one time, I think it was the Ritz, when they were literally writing it down on the clipboard. So I just made the point of changing my bet slightly every single time just to be a real pain. So there's little things like that where I'm not sure if I'd even call that heat, but it's just a bit of a pain. And then other times... They don't seem to be aware at all. And then you've got no idea anything is coming until you walk in next session and then that's it. You're out. Like, uh, yeah, if you have like a big win or something, are they freaking out over there like they do over here? Like, are they scurrying around the pit? Or I think there's a general sense of a bit more relaxation given that they already have your name. I feel like mm, yeah, they're not so concerned. It's like... Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. It definitely feels like a different atmosphere. I couldn't necessarily pinpoint exactly what is different. But you know when you walk into some US casinos and you just feel like they're out for you or you just feel like you're not welcome there, you immediately feel like something's off. That's less of a thing in the UK, except maybe the more high-end members clubs that I've been in where I just feel out of place from the second walking in the door, but that's less of a heat thing. Um, so yeah, yeah it's, it's a much more passive-aggressive in the UK, I'd say. They just ban you one day you walk in you can't get in that's it yeah i've noticed that too when you for some reason when you're playing rated it's just everyone kind of relaxes a little bit i mean there's definitely cons to that but sometimes every once in a while i'm relieved that i end up having to ctr and just play rated just to get the air of suspicion away um i mean sometimes it totally backfires and you get backed off immediately but it is nice to just be able to just play there rated you're not hiding anything and it's just for sure, right? I love those moments in the US where you're like, well, there's nothing I can do. Or the moments yeah. when you know you're about to get a back off. So you just get to, oh, I will just be complete like a machine, don't have to put on any act. And you're just putting minimum, table min no matter what, until the count goes up and stuff like that. It feels, yeah, it just feels nice when you can do that. So, um, so back to Joe98's trip. When you came here, did you have to declare your money coming into the country and then explain what you're doing here? Um, yeah, it was actually far more straightforward and far more friendly than I, I thought it would be. Um, yeah, they didn't even, they didn't want to count it or anything. They just sent me down a separate queue to this very friendly um, customs officer. Oh, asked me a few basic questions and uh, yeah, sent me on, on the way. I was very pleasantly surprised with that. What did you say? I'm misremembering this, Joe, because I <laughs> thought you said that you got a load of crap when you got to the u.s or was that this trip or am i thinking no, that was this the trip team? yeah they were very un- very unfriendly on <laughs> on this trip yeah what happened this time well i was you know nothing out of the ordinary it was the same sort of questions asked and but he was just really really rude just just for no reason you know he's one of those people that he, he, he's just rude immediately as soon as you meet them just for no reason and they're obviously like that with everybody yeah and uh what do you say when they ask you what you're doing here um, well, I say I'm on a, on a gambling trip. Um, you know, I don't want to say I'm a professional uh, blackjack player because, uh, you know, that may raise some questions about certain other things. But Like how, how many casinos did you get backed off from the first time around in the US? Oh, God, I, don't, I have no idea. I have it written down somewhere. Um I don't remember that. I do remember I only got 29 hours in over a month of play, though. Okay, so it was a pretty short trip, uh, just a month, and then, yeah. 
Yeah, I think if you're coming internationally, it's it would be hard to, um, you know, all the expenses, the international flight ticket, all that stuff to make it more worth it if you're just only going to be here for a month. I mean, it, it is better to, like, be able to stay as long as possible, but um, not everyone could do that, so I understand that, but. No, I wouldn't really want to stay longer than a month. I get, I get quite homesick after about three weeks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially being in and out of casinos for that amount of time. Uh, so, yeah, so the second trip, you guys decided to team up uh, with some other BGA members to do a, a bigger a bigger team. And um, so how was that whole process like? What was the plan? Like, what was the master plan? It sort of just naturally evolved out of the fact that I wanted to do a trip. And I was sort of interested if people wanted to invest in that as well. And then opening the door for other people to play too. I think, was it Joe originally or was it the other? I'm not sure who it was first, but it was quite nice that other people were immediately like, yeah, let's go, let's go play. And mm-hmm. given that I think it's sometimes just a little bit safer if we're not in the same states, given that both me and Joe obviously have English accents and that can stand out quite a bit depending on where you are, certainly in the South. I don't think an hour went by without <laughs> someone asking me where I was from and what I was doing there. So yeah. it just seemed safer to go to different states, but that would also give us the flexibility as if someone lost and then we could fly and meet each other and, and top up on cash because obviously we don't have loads of USD just sat you know, in a bank account that we can access very easily at all. So um, it does make things a little bit trickier, but I think it was just immediate enthusiasm from everybody on the team. We've got this WhatsApp group where we sort of all collaborate and then um, the three of us went to different states and that was it, just as long as we could do, which I thought three weeks was a good amount of time. And, and then we all just played in different states. Cool. So it was a, it was a three-week trip, uh, three of you joining bankrolls to play. Um, how did you guys like decide the, the sharing of the profits and then the hours and all that? Yeah, well, we have um, Ultimate, who's sort of the team manager whenever we do a trip it seems to be it falls on him to be the team manager which is great because he does a smashing job and he was um, back on the Vegas trip that I did a couple years back and I've always found it great working with him so he immediately came on board not to play but just to help manage and and sort of the first thing was just how much money do we have because as time goes on your network kind of gets a bit bigger and people want to invest in trips so we raised uh, around $170,000, something like that. Am I, am I saying the right number, Joe? Yeah, I think that was, yeah, that, that was about it, yeah. So then from that, that informs what kind of bet spread we can do. And we also had other bits of info about how tolerant we thought certain casinos would be. We were a bit concerned whether or not the Southern casinos would like if you were betting over, say, two spots of 400, if it would get a little bit too sweaty. So there was a lot of chat about that. And um, Ultimate came up with two different bet spreads so that we had a little bit of flexibility. One was a bit more conservative, a bit of a tighter spread, so hopefully wouldn't ring as many alarm bells, maybe get some more time. And then we had another spread that was just much more aggressive, go after the EV, which is the more fun one to play. So we had a bit of flexibility. And I definitely sort of dipped my toe in the water at the first couple of casinos, especially I was a bit worried about how well-known I might be and whether or not that could be a problem. So I just really wanted to keep my head down cap on, you know, stare at the table and, and play. But quickly, I found for me anyway, that once I was betting two times 400, that was already a bit of a flag, the casino. So then it kind of seemed pointless to, to rail it back too much. And then, so a lot of the time, I think the top bet on, say, double deck was around two times 800, although we did have a bit of flexibility. We weren't all doing the exact same spread. But in general, I think two times eight was the sort of top bet, um, which was fun. 
Yeah. So how did you guys decide, you know, who is going to do the small spread, who is going to do the big spread when and what, in what places? Like, yeah, I think we, we had a lot of autonomy in making that decision. It was really two different spreads and then variations of those spreads for six deck versus double deck. And then we were encouraged to go after the EV, but also play sensibly. So it was just left to each of us to decide um, what we would really do. I mean, Joe, what was your, did you immediately go for the, I can't remember if you just went, went in with the, the high EV spread or if you went a little bit more conservative first. No, I went, I went immediately for the uh, high EV spread. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think I went, no, there are a few times when I went conservative for various reasons that I can't specifically remember. Uh, but yeah, mostly just, I just went for the aggressive one. Yeah. I think with such a limited time, if you're only there for three weeks, it's like, why not just do the bigger spread from the start? Yeah, flights are expensive, hotels are expensive. It's it's a bit more expensive for us to do a, a trip to the US because we have to stick a thousand pound flight on top. And then as well as the other expenses, obviously, that the average uh, trip um, will will do. So it kind of becomes difficult because in a way I was quite keen to try to be a bit subtler on this trip. But kind of immediately on, it's like if we don't go after the EV, it's not going to be viable. So it's that horrible balance between trying to make it, you know, be conservative, maybe try not to get backed off immediately. But then also, you've got to actually go after the EV, otherwise it's not going to be a profitable trip. So, um, is there who do you think was the most aggressive on the team? I think the other teammate, our sort of third teammate that was that was playing, is the most aggressive when it comes to playing. Like I feel like he could play for two days solid without sleeping, and he would <laughs> still be like absolutely crushing it. So yeah. in terms of pure like force of will by the end of the trip he'd stacked up way more hours than i think both me and joe combined because he's just wow. such a machine and he did get a bit a bit luckier in terms of you know tolerant places obviously like yeah. it does vary uh, but he also has the willpower to play like an absolute machine but it sounds like joe was the most let's just put the big bets out and go for it out of the three of us who do you think got the most heat well i'd like to say it was me i think yeah, I think it was just a result of me being flying. It, it's just got so miserable in the end. Um, you know, it got to the. I'm sure at some point, even the um, in this one specific area, even the dealers were um, had been shown my face because even they were acting really sketchy as soon as I arrived at the table and looking over at the pit bosses and there. Were you nearby in the same region, or were you in a totally different part of the country? Yeah, I was in California mainly. Um, I started in Arizona okay. and um, moved over to Southern California, which is where I was on my last trip as well. So I'm wondering if maybe my flyer had kind of sort of carried over. Okay, well, cool. I probably still have my face. So, I mean, I've been hearing Southern California has been a little bit more sweaty lately. Um, but I also hear like Louisiana or yeah, Louisiana has been Louisiana's kind of hit or miss, actually. I don't know. What was your experience like in Louisiana, Stephen? For me, it's obviously a bit tricky because I've obviously put my face really publicly and I was really yeah. concerned whether or not that would catch up with me. And the first couple of places, you know, I was like, oh, yeah, it's all this is all chill. This is like exactly like the old times. I'm just kind of overestimating my own importance, maybe. <laughs> I was like, this is great. But then uh, I ended up playing in a, in a place in, in Lake Charles in the La Berge there, which is which I really enjoyed that casino. But I did. I got recognized from one of the staff there. And that was the first time I was like, oh, no, this is someone that like knew my name based off that. And then throughout the trip, partly because of heavy flyering and just 
partly because yeah. there was a country, you know, there was a countrywide biometrica update about me that went out. And then a net, another update that said, oh, by the way, he has a YouTube channel. And I don't know about you, but if oh. I was in surveillance and I got that update, I would absolutely Google whoever that was. So mm. I found a lot of my back offs were by name. It, it was really quite tricky. And it's hard to tell how much that was just because of flyering or just casinos being really on it and how much of that was because of me and, and my YouTube channel. But I think, uh, yeah, it definitely, I, I found it was quite tricky to get time in. Was it like a dealer or a pit boss that's, that knew about your channel? Well, which occasion? I had it once where yeah, it was yeah. a dealer when I, you know, I drove to one of these tribal casinos that's kind of in the middle of nowhere. As soon as I walked in, apparently someone had seen me. So I, I didn't get much time on the on the double deck before a back off. And I and they, they just said, oh, yeah, dealer recognized you. I was like, oh. But then I had another situation where a dealer recognized me and just sort of gave me a little wink. And that was it. You know, he just was like, oh, I like videos. And then just kept, kept dealing. Nice. And then later at that casino, the pit boss that backed me off was like, yeah, I really hate doing this. And also, I kind of like your videos. So. <laughs> so it was really weird, surreal. But then I also had a couple of times where uh, surveillance people would message me or they'd email me and actually just give oh. me like intel. One guy saying, really? I'm really sorry, I had to back you off eventually. <laughs> and oh, stuff like wow. that. So maybe a couple of instances where I thought I was, oh, I'm flying under the radar. Maybe I wasn't. And someone was just being nice and looking after me without me knowing. That's cool. Did they, did any of them give you any kind of hint like, hey, you should go to this casino down the road or, or any kind of that sort of stuff? I did get some good sort of intel. I mean, honestly, the most of the really good intel I got was from other VGA members. Like the chat is so useful because I didn't have yeah. the, the, the chat room the first trip I did. And I just found that it's so valuable. And then from that, I, I met up with other card counters in Louisiana you know, some really nice people that I won't name just in case they don't want to be named, but they know who they are. And, you know, one guy like me stay in his hotel room and stuff. And I just thought what was nice about this trip is I felt like a really strong sense of, of community, mainly from the BJA lot. And mm -hmm. so I got loads of great info and, from people that were just like giving me this info. It's just, yeah, made everything a lot easier. Um, so Louisiana, how did you handle all the cash outs and stuff? Uh, like, did you show ID everywhere to get cashed out? Cause sometimes they're really aggressive in that state about cashing out without ID. Yeah. The worst place I think for me was Shreveport, I think. Oh. Uh, and it was the Bally's in Shreveport where I went in and I, I played and yeah, I think I, did I do one session then leave and then come back? I'm not quite sure, but either way it happened that when I went to cash out the chips, and I can't remember the exact amount, but it was a few thousand, but maybe around the 5K mark. They just wouldn't do it. They just absolutely refused to do it without ID. And it was really annoying because I had this, you know, those conversations you have that are very polite, but they're also really like, you know, it's all fake. It's This whole thing is just like this stifled conversation. No one's saying what they mean. I had one of those things. And uh, this guy just couldn't cash me. He said he couldn't cash me out. And he said that the person he'd have to speak to, the owner, wasn't in until the next day and all of this. So eventually I ended up just sort of taking my chips and leaving. And then eventually I called gaming. I called, I basically tried calling everybody and the lawyer and it was just completely useless. Uh, so when I went back in, I thought I might as well play before I, before I deal with the situation. And uh, I had another nice win. And then when the back off came, that time because I didn't get banked off the first time but when the back off came they backed me off by name which did make me feel a little bit more chill because I was like okay I don't know what I was going to really I guess I probably would have just had to give over ID it's different when it's my money but when it's also team money I can't just sort of it's a tricky one right 
And uh, but they knew my name, so as far as I was concerned, they might as well have my ID in that situation. But uh, they just didn't care when I was trying to explain very politely that what they were doing was illegal and even referencing, you know, that great law post that's on the forum. I referenced mm-hmm. like the cases in that, and he was just like, Stephen, we don't care. And then he walked off, and I was like, wow. <laughs> so that was one of the worst times. There was another place in Shreveport that I didn't. I just, I just stood my ground and probably quite rudely called them out because they were doing that classic of asking for ID to make me a player's card and all this. And then, yeah, they, they were just kind of really unpleasant. So I just sort of wasn't very pleasant back, but didn't show ID then, mainly on principle, because as you say, some of these places are pretty fly heavy. But yeah, most of the time for me, I didn't have to put up a huge fight at the cash desk because a lot of the time they just already knew who I was by that moment, probably because mm-hmm. of flyering as well as the the youtube so yeah yeah so is your policy if they back you off by name you just give them the idea to make the process quicker and easier and get out of there or? yeah i mean at the end of the day i think yeah i don't maybe i'm overlooking something but if they have my name that's the thing that you're trying to protect and yeah. also so at first i was really like being belligerent and trying to not do it but then when they would mention my name it just suddenly i just thought well if they have my name then what, what difference does it make? They can get my, they can Google me and get my birthday. They can Google me and get my photo. Like what, mm-hmm. you know, what is the ID in that situation? So um, yeah, in those situations, I would just give it over. But if they didn't have my name, I often just on principle wouldn't want to give it over. And a lot of the time, it just is a case of declining it very firmly. And then they would just be like, all right, here's your cash. But it obviously depends a bit on the amount and the area. Did you get any time in Shreveport or is that place just as sweaty as it was when I was playing a lot? Yeah, I, I didn't get a lot of time. It was domino effect, right? Once you've lost, mm-hmm. I think it was maybe two places I got a bit of time in, but yeah, yeah, it was it was very short-lived. A few towns like that where it's just like all these really small riverboat towns and it seems like it's just like one and done at the, or you, you know, you can last maybe one shift. It was giving me a really distorted sense because I was struggling to, to figure out, well, what is the state of blackjack right now? Or is it just this state? Or is it me because I'm from YouTube? Yeah. And it's very hard to sort of gauge like whether this is like, I don't know, like how yeah. sweaty the place was. It's tricky. Did you have any players that recognized you? Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> what, did they, what did they say? Yes, I had... Um, That's the card-counting magician. <laughs> luckily, they didn't scream it out. But there was one time where I met this guy who was a counter... Uh, super nice guy and he just sort of introduced himself at, at the table just said you know hey and I said hey and I introduced myself by a fake name which was just one of my things if, if someone ever referred to me by my first name I would know that they knew who I was if they referred to me by a fake name I know that maybe I'd met them previously and given a fake name so I gave him the fake name uh, but then he kind of let me know on the slide that, that he knew who I was and then I actually just thought he was a player at first. He's really good at staying under the radar. Like, I just didn't think he was a counter. But then, yeah, he uh, revealed. But no random players that called me out. So that was pretty lucky. But yeah, I met a few card counters, and that was that was really nice. Of course, nice. I left his table when I realized he was counting. Just to put out of it. <laughs> so it's nice to know that you can have a YouTube channel, a popular one, and then you can still get an hour. So for people who are nervous that they are being seen at every moment, they're never going to be able to play anywhere. It's how many hours did you get this trip? <laughs> Was it only like two hours? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got three and a half hours. Actually, I do have I do have it right here. I got I did um thirty six sessions. I played for fifty three 
nearly 54 hours. Uh, and I had, uh, I had 19 back offs. So yeah, it basically was kind of interesting about, about my situation is that it basically worked out for every hour of play. I did an hour of driving. We timed all the driving to casinos. So it was basically equal. Um, but yeah, actually my conclusion was very much, I get messages from people every now and again saying that they're tempted to start a YouTube channel. And it, if you, if you want to count, I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> like, I don't think it's going to do you any favors for sure. Cause it no. definitely caused some friction for me, but yeah, it's still doable. It's just, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So speaking of the channel, when you came around the second time and you chose a state that allowed non-consent recording, um, how did, were you, I mean, were you still, I would think you'd be more nervous because since the channel's out, people, when they see you, they know that's what you're doing. You're probably recording right now at the table. Did that come up at all? Like, Yeah, I was very nervous, actually. I was, in fact, honestly, I was really nervous for the whole thing because part of me was worried I was going to get to the airport and even just bringing hidden cameras, you know, like I worked with this time around, I worked with a hidden camera specialist and, and really like upgraded some hidden camera stuff. He, he nearly wouldn't work with me because he works with the police and stuff. And he was like, I'm not going to work with someone that's going to took a, took a lot of persuading before he would work with me. So I kind of upgraded the cameras, but then with that means you're, you're bringing some stuff on an airplane that seems really suspicious. I was worried about that. I was worried about whether or not I'd be recognized from people at the airport, you know, like airport mm-hmm. security and stuff, even though it's not illegal to go over and play, you just, you don't want anything that could cause any friction. And um, I was worried about filming in the casinos because, you know, obviously I'm just filming for perfectly, perfectly legitimate and legal reasons, but they could say anything. If they think I have a camera, they could say I'm using that to win at the game. And then maybe that would be a reason to detain me, even if they knew like it's just being used as a video, like they could still make things very difficult. So I was a bit worried about that. And there was only one time where it actually came up and it was in one of those, cause it was in a, an area, I always forget the state's name, but the state where you can't get backed off. So I had a situation where I played for just 20 minutes, one shoe had a miracle shoe. It was one of those great shoes. I sat down it was great. I can't remember what I won, but it was over 10k. It was, it was it was beautiful, lovely shoe. And then I left immediately because I thought this might cause a bit of heat. I'll come back later. And then the time I came back, I sat down and almost immediately there was there was heat. And I thought, ah, oh, they obviously ran me down from the previous session and have, have recognised me, despite my sophisticated disguises. Uh, and then they came over and and sort of did the um, the we're going to deal two hands and then shuffle kind of thing. And I said, no, it's fine. I'll just I'll just go and um then a few security guards came up to me which i thought was kind of strange maybe four security guards a bit overkill and the guy said yeah actually it's against our policy to record so we're gonna have to ask you to leave <laughs> and i just said i wasn't recording mainly because i didn't want them to i don't know i didn't want to admit to that and then go down this whole rabbit hole potentially getting me in trouble but yeah that was the only time where they anyone had kicked up a fuss about the videos and as the surveillance guy that was in touch with me giving me sort of insider info said uh he said that actually it probably would help me in ways because people would be a bit worried the fact that they're being recorded and that could be published like a lot of these casinos and the videos don't come across well so maybe i got some polite back offs because of that but yeah there was only one time and uh, luckily all they did was just ask me to leave yeah yeah, so Joe, 98, um, so what was your experience like in Southern California and like the Arizona area where, as far as like a time you got and the politeness or rudeness? Of... But, oh, I've never really had a rude back off 
<clears throat> on this trip or the last one. I've been quite lucky. Everyone's been relatively cordial, even during the trespasses, of which I've had three so far. Um, yeah, on that, this last trip, I had 15 back-offs, I think. Is it, what bothers me the most is just the unnecessary um, ID requests, very persistent ID requests at the cash desk. Yeah. Um, Steve, I'm sure you remember that um, angry voice note I left on WhatsApp after that time where they were just being very, very insistent about it at this place. You're having the normal back and forth with them saying, oh, it's illegal if you do not cash me out and then just ignoring that and saying, well, if you want us to cash you out, you're going to have to show ID anyway. Um, How much were you trying to cash out? It, that was $750 as well. So that made it That's it? It was just ridiculous. That's so stupid. It Was this a tribal or non-tribal? It was tribal, yeah. Um, I, th- I feel like they always they always use that in their argument. They say, oh, well, we're tribal, so we have different rules. And it's like, well, I'm sure as far as catching players out, uh, the rules are the same. But, um, I had a funny uh, situation where it was $400 and they were, like, demanding ID. It was after a back-off, but it was at Margaret, I forget that, Margaret, Margaritaville, Margaret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right for that place. I just pleaded with her. I was like, come on now. This is ridiculous. It's $400. Yeah. So then she cashed me out and trespassed me. I was like, yeah. All for $400. Wow. Uh, well, that's good. You didn't have any, um, you know, super mean back offs or anything. Um, what was your, did you play with ID everywhere? Or were you flying under the radar the whole time? No, I tried to play without ID as much as I, as much as I could on this trip. Because I think that was a mistake on my first trip, being very, very open with my ID right from the start of it. I think that affected my longevity quite significantly for the rest of that trip. So my goal on this trip was to be, um, well, to withhold my ID as much as possible, um, apart from, you know, age checks at the door and things. I find when they're asking for it at the cash desk, you can usually, if the conversation doesn't exceed, you know, one to two minutes, you know, it's fairly easy. If it goes longer than... um, two minutes i feel like they're just going to be so persistent and eventually it's at the 10 minute mark is when i usually give in really mm, 10 minute mark, yeah yeah wow um and that's the that, that's the promise i've made myself after this trip after that after the last time that happened it's just i, I can't because i'm just getting end up more angry at myself than i do at them yeah and i feel like i've let myself be bullied into giving my id because uh, there's absolutely no reason for them to have it it's just you know what was the um, reasoning that you guys chose to split up to completely different states for this trip? The main point of going together was um, you know, being able to share a bankroll. I don't think we, well, we, we didn't need to be in the same area. And I think, well, as Steve said earlier, we will we all have English accents. So that- <laughs> Yeah, right. Um, yeah, that's a, one good thing about being a little bit closer together is you can help each other with the cash outs. Uh, that would have been nice, but then it is good to have just completely, you know, completely be separate from the team sometimes, um, cover more ground and, you know, ho- hopefully get a little bit more time if you guys share similar characteristics and, and vehicles definitely is a big one. Like that'll flag off a lot of teams, like everyone using the same two cars, you know, what was like the biggest win and, and loss that both of you had on this trip? Um, biggest win for me was uh, ten thousand, just over ten thousand. 
Um, biggest loss, I think five or six thousand. So not too bad. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I got. I had a, a you know a bit of a rocky start, and um, but then by the end, I had a really nice upswing at the end. I'm just like scrolling through the uh, the report because yeah, I had my last session was a nineteen thousand two hundred dollar win. Nice. It just felt so good after. Yeah, what a roller! We had such a rocky point. Um, I think I had a, a forty-five thousand dollar upswing in fifteen hours or something like that. So that felt great because I sort of felt like I was holding the team back in ways mm. because I was getting these backoffs that I felt were very much because of my, you know, notoriety. And then I was thinking, oh gosh, this is like I'm, I'm paying. Well, the team is paying money for hotels every night, you know. So that's what was making me feel bad. I was like, oh, there's going to be a tipping point, and some of these places. Oh, so expensive for hotels. It, it's just wild. And uh, I did try the sleeping in the car thing a couple of times, but it does not do well for my ability to play blackjack. Yeah, what kind of places were you guys staying at? Like, what was, like, the team policy as far as, like, you know, how much you were going to spend for a room each night? We didn't really have a firm policy on how much to spend on hotels because, I mean, we're all in this together, trying to spend as little as possible, but also do take care of your own well-being was sort of the, the principle. So for me, and I mean, everyone's got different lines, but I really didn't like the idea of sleeping in a place that could have bed bugs or like cockroaches. Like that was just like, that really freaked me out. I've never encountered bed bugs. I've never seen cockroaches. <laughs> Maybe that makes me sound like the worst, but it felt like a big thing. So if I was looking through reviews and, and someone was saying, oh, my, my hotel then had bed bugs. It's like, I just don't, I'd rather stay up all night or, or do something else. Yeah. But it just some of those areas, it was just unavoidable. I spent more time looking for a hotel that was cheap. And also a lot of the places were understaffed. So I, if you're trying to check in at something like 4 a.m., well, even after midnight, right, you can't buy one online because yeah. it's the next day. So you have to drive and you drive to all these places and they just kept being like, yeah, we don't have we don't have any rooms free because they didn't, they didn't have enough cleaning staff. Uh, and then sucks. after a while of that, it's just like what you get a room and you're like, great, even if it's, it's expensive. So yeah, that was quite... Um, difficult we had a we have one teammate that didn't play on this trip but he's played before and he just managed to sleep in the car for the entire trip that he did and i just wow. admire him so much for that because i just yeah. don't have that in me i just can't do wow. it like like what was like your you know just guessing like where's like oh, no, this is too much i'm never going to pay this much for a room like amount like what was your higher end amount like i paid 175 dollars for a room a couple yeah. times and I just thought that was so ridiculously expensive. Because the other weird thing is, is that in the UK, we have, I know you guys have Travel Lodge as a brand, but we have Travel Lodge and Premier Inn that are like sort of loads of hotels and they're all exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So even if you get a Travel Lodge and maybe it's a bit grim, it's still clean. I, you know, it's still fine. So yeah. whereas I found it was way more of a, of a roulette game in the US, like even well-branded hotels, I'd look through the reviews and there'd be these absolute nightmare stories. So yeah. I found it a lot trickier in general. But yeah, sometimes, I mean, I just really resented the idea of paying $200 for a hotel room. So those were the times when I just refused. I just thought there's no, I was like, no matter how much EV I'm generating, that's just ludicrous, yeah. right? But I, I think maybe it was just where I was at times, like Charles was super expensive. A lot of these places um, were, were, yeah, 150-ish. I'm not really sure what an expensive hotel room counts as in the US, but to me, it felt like loads. Yeah, especially when you're you're having to pay for it every day. I mean, 
Yeah, that's how many were any of the teammates like did they get broom comps ever or was everyone just unrated the whole time? I got one. That's the only one I've ever had. Yeah. That was a that was after a nice session where I got um seven hours in and then another three hours the next day. That's the nice. longest the longest I've ever played in the US before. And um that was because I was CCR'd at the table. And then yeah. I thought, well, yeah, I might as well get a player's card now and they got me a free room, which was nice. Yeah, I played in um oh sorry, you go. Uh, how did, for the CTR um if you don't have a US passport, like you don't have a social security number. So like how does that work? Do you just have to give your name and you just show them your passport and that's it? Or Yeah, that's um like, you know, they don't they don't usually ask for it when they hear my accent, but uh if they do, I just say I don't have one and that's as far as it goes really. Okay. A lot of the time they don't know how to deal with it, I find. They're a bit confused yeah. and sometimes it would be really lengthy cash outs. But in the end, I think the average procedure that happens to me is they'll scan my passport, they'll maybe get me to sign a bit of paper. Sometimes they'll give me the, the CTR form. And in the last place, uh, when I was trying to cash out this, it was like 20 something thousand I was trying to cash out. And they were like, you have to sign this. And I says, I, I was like, it says US citizen signature. You want me to yeah. sign this? In the end, I just signed it. I was like, there you go. That's like doesn't mean anything, but now they're gonna arrest you for fraud <laughs> for doing the right yeah. thing. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh, yeah, my only comp that I had was in in Tunica, and that was only because I, I played rated because it was one of those casinos where they won't let you play unless you're playing rated. It was like a double deck, and also I was just like, my name is so everywhere. I want to actually get some table time in. Maybe I'll get some time if I give over um, a player's card. So I did that, and then. As soon as I had played for a little bit, I immediately asked if I could get like a hotel room and then like had that. So that was a lovely experience. But in general, yeah. I think we all, there wasn't many comps because we were just trying to ha- not hand over the ID. When you were playing, did you, what was your reasoning for not wanting to get a player's card or what was your story? Well, it's usually just that I'm on vacation and I'm not going to be in the area longer than the day or, you know. Just yeah. saying that there's not really point in me getting one. Sometimes I say, I don't know, I'm visiting a friend and then sort of have to make up a story on the spot about what they do for a living and <laughs> where they live. Yeah, if you were in the middle of nowhere, like how did the vacation excuse go over? Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's when I that's when I changed the I'm visiting a friend rather than vacation because why would I be why would I be here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's an offensive thing to say isn't it <laughs> that's how it felt in louisiana some people are like why are you in louisiana <laughs> yeah some people are really surprised at why you're in this area because it's just yeah. in the middle of nowhere so how did the team fare overall at the end of the trip would you guys up or down was it a success or yes yes it was a it was a big success nice. i'm pleased to say <laughs> um i was only on the trip for two weeks um i was 25 up at my highest point I left 15 up and then you know the, the last few days of the trip where I wasn't there it was uh, the variants got extremely good which was very nice so was it uh, the team overall d- did you guys end up making more than you did on your solo trips before absolutely yeah 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 I think overall we won was it profit was just under 70k or was that winnings but it was around the sort of 70k kind yeah. of mark i think yeah after expenses i think it was around i think around 68 or was it like, I think, yeah i think our expenses worked out as something like 10 to no 13 ish I, yeah, I think expenses were th- about 13 yeah 
Yeah. Nice. Which who, who, I, feels like a lot, but. Did anyone have like a really bad back off this trip? Or like an incident? Oh, I've yeah, never I think, experienced a bad back off, but. As far as they go, I think the, the worst one I had was. Um, it wasn't Bally's. It was the other place in Shreveport. I hated them so much by the end of that because they were just so. Uh, yeah, it, just that whole. Like, you know, that sort of air of arrogance where they're just saying, oh, no, we're going to get your idea. Just this incredible, like, cockiness that they'd have sometimes. Or actually, there was there was another place that I, I played at um, in Louisiana just towards the end of my trip when I looked back around. And, and this guy just basically said he, you know, wasn't going to cash out without ID. And then he was asking me how much that I had. And but like all these kind of weird questions and just this sort of really like a power trip situation. And they're always so difficult to sort of deal with. And he ended up saying, I'm going to let you cash out. And I just felt, I was like, okay, just stay calm and don't, don't rise to it. Because at the end of the day, if he doesn't cash me out, I'm going to have difficulties. But it's just less aggressive and more just like really, I don't even know if I'd call it rude. There's just a level of hostility that's just simmering below the surface that I could feel a couple of times. And yeah. Yeah. Um, Joe, did you experience any like uh, hardcore tip hustling here? Uh, no, I've never, I've never experienced it before. I feel like with some dealers, um, just the way they talk to you, it's obvious they're they're, they're being overly polite to try and get tips. Um, the thing I find most awkward though is at the end of the session when you've got a, you know, you know, twelve dollars fifty from getting a blackjack on a twenty-five or whatever, and. You've got to then you've coloured up a stack of hundreds, and then you're also taking that extra twelve fifty as well, and then taking that away when they when they're <laughs> eyeing it up. Yeah, yeah, it's really awkward when they're they're like um, when you have all those like fifty cent pieces lying in front of you, like a pile of them, and they just passive aggressively like, "Let me uh, color those up for you," like and just say. <laughs> so as far as like the team play versus the solo play, do you think that? you know, moving forward, you'd want to continue with the team play in general or? Yeah, I definitely would. Okay. Yeah, I much prefer the the team play to the solo play. It's, um, yeah, it's just, it's just much more enjoyable. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Even when we're in totally different places, there's just that camaraderie of yeah. us all being in this experience at the same time. Like we could have played different weeks, you know, and it wouldn't have mm-hmm. been a huge difference except maybe some money logistics, but just something really nice about knowing that I could call up Joe or the other teammate or the team manager or any of the other people that are sort of in our larger team on our chat or just vent, like even just getting the voice note from Joe when he's really angry because he's had this horrible situation. He's, you know, better. like there's something weirdly comforting about that and being able to also send those kind of messages back that just makes, mm-hmm. you know, because car counting can be such a lonely pursuit. So, I really love team stuff and I'll jump at the chance to do any team stuff because it's just so much more fun. Yeah, there, there is something really nice about, I mean, it's, it's one thing to get support, you know, from other card counters or BJ members who aren't, you aren't sharing a bankroll with, but there's something else about just, you know, sharing a bankroll together. You're, you know, you're winning together, but you're also comforting each other when you lose. Like it's, it's really nice to have that kind of support where you know someone else across the country is it has your back and you guys are all fighting for the same thing so 
And I would yeah, just want to cool. also say, like, I highly recommend the BJA chat to anybody that hasn't really dived into that because I sort of overlooked that for a while, thinking, well, I've got DMs and I chat with people, and but I just found that that chat is just such a good extension of this like larger community, and I just found the chat and the DMs I got from that chat like a huge amount of support, which was great. So I mean, BJA, BJA, lovely place to be. <laughs> Were you guys? Um, did you guys have any chance to? Um do anything else besides go to the casino? Did you take any time or was it just uh, pedal to the metal, you know, everyday grinding? More or less. Yeah, I yeah. didn't really get to take, take any time out. It was just playing at casinos or traveling to casinos, really. Yeah. And it was far too yeah. hot for me to be going out walking anywhere. <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, same, same situation. I think there's a level of, you know, I feel responsibility that I have to be playing as much as physically possible, especially when we've got the other teammate who's an absolute machine and doesn't even need to eat or drink or sleep <laughs> to keep playing. So really just try to do the hours and, yeah, just grind on. Yeah. I'm starting to think that your teammate is a, an advanced AI cyborg at this point. I honestly <laughs> wouldn't be massively... Like, if someone is an AI, maybe it's him because he just plays, he plays so well. What what uh what fuels that teammate? Like, um, are they just like pounding Red Bull after Red Bull? Like, how are they able to stay up so long and play that long? What do you think it is about that that personality or that person? I think that he in particular is very driven and just has the ability to focus on whatever it is. I just get the impression that whatever he puts his mind to, he can really focus on, and it happens to be card counting that he's chosen, and because mm -hmm. of that. He has a, a really great deal of um of focus and he's one of the, he's he's always one of the people on, on our sort of larger team that's like let's do a training session or let's do this or calling me up to test me on deviations and stuff so uh yeah he's a real asset to have as a, as a teammate and as a friend yeah so as far as the team like let's say the other teammate uh the ai um robot uh if they if they're if they played like let's say on this month trip if they played like 200 hours but but you guys played, you know, 80 or 50 hours, something like that. How do you split up the profits? Do you do it by hour or do you, is it just all thrown in together and into split three ways, basically? We did split it based off hours, but we also did factor in driving time, um, which is something that we haven't done before. But also we're all sort of in different places. Some people are naturally going to have to drive a bit more than others because of the locations. And, and we, we really kind of felt everybody is there to, to play as many hours as they could. So we did factor in driving time. So, um, yeah, we had investor shares. We had player shares. We also had a manager. And then we, we factored in um, the driving time as well as the, the actual playing hours. That's interesting. I, I don't think I've heard of anyone yet doing that. But it makes so much sense to factor in the driving time because it is significant. And um, yeah, that's a really good way to do it. I like that. The tricky thing with it, though, is 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 judging how valuable that, how much that time should be factored. It's and it, it does. You can sort of take that concept and apply it forever. You know, well, like okay, now you're gonna you're gonna do eating time. Well, now you're gonna do like at what point sleeping time? At what point do yeah. you do you stop doing that? So I was very for the driving time idea. I quite liked it, but when we actually would sort of totting up all the hours at the end and it did personally benefit me because I, I spent like an hour driving for an hour playing but i'm not sure if it's something we'll do again because it's just a tricky one of how far do you take factoring in other things other than table time yeah um when you when you all entered the u.s um you did you come with uh pounds and then you where did you exchange your pounds for dollars or uh well, I, we all brought dollars in 
Um, I, I exchanged some dollars for my first trip. And so I still used all of those, um, those dollars that I had from that trip. I just brought them back on this trip and I still have them now. I just okay. think it's good to keep a float of them, save the uh, exchange rates. Yeah. If you go to Hyde Park in London, you find this sort of big oak tree and next to that is a little pebble. If you dig up, we just have this crate of dollars that we have ready. No, in all seriousness, we do have like a supply of, of, of dollars that is like in a safe deposit box, et cetera, just so that we have it on hand. Um, and luckily we're well enough network now with other US people that we can sort of get that. Um, so yeah, we went over with some dollars, but also, I mean, at one point I had to top up, but luckily teammate hooked us up and things like that. So yeah, just about made it work. So was there, so there was never a point, um, where either of the teammates, they were getting really low on cash and then someone else had to fly over. Did that happen at all? No, but I did have a guy that I'd never met before, but just one of the investors went, this guy's going to meet you in this car park. And it was just like, it was like the sketchiest thing you can imagine. I just pulled, he pulled up to me and then just got out of his car with a duffel bag, opened my car door, sat in and just took out 20 grand. And I just counted it really awkwardly. And then we basically shook hands and then he left. Right. So I had that, which was a funny experience. <laughs> he had a full, like a uh, full face mask on. You never saw him. <laughs> imagine. Well, he didn't, you know, he knew my name because he'd been told, but he had, you know, we did not know each yeah. other at all, but. That just kind of goes to show how unbelievably important networking is in one way or another. Because, yeah, it needed to top up. And without that, it just would have been more complicated. Yeah. Um, so, Joe, when you when you came to the U.S. to play this time around, was there like a go-to place you would go to eat uh, at weird hours? Or like where did you discover in the U.S. was like your reliable place to go eat? I've discovered Chipotle. That's one of the things I love most about America that's just fantastic I couldn't get enough of that I lived off that <laughs> most meals on this trip and the last trip it's just yeah. fantastic yeah I think a lot of card counters do so did, did uh, everyone pretty much play normal kind of hours like a normal you know typical card counter hours like ending around three or four in the morning and starting up or did someone just do graveyard or experiment with that well I wanted to do I wanted to do night shifts on this trip because you know, I'd heard that um, they were a little bit more tolerant. And so I started, I, I tended to check in at the hotel at roughly like midday, go to sleep at around two, two to three, and then wake up around 10 or 11, then start playing until, you know, the early hours of the morning and then go back to that hotel, then leave at checkout and then repeat. But what I found is that a lot of the casinos where I was playing sort of closed around 4am. And so it became not really viable to do that so i changed halfway through the trip i changed to um normal day shifts again did you find that the day shift had a little more heat than later in the night or was it kind of all over the place actually i don't i didn't notice too much difference um and shortly after i was i mean i was you know i was quite heavily flyed in southern california so i, I don't think it would have made any any difference Okay, so Joe, you were playing in Southern California. How was your experience at the famous uh, Barona Casino? How, how was that back off? Oh, it was just fantastic. Um, it was actually the second time I've been backed off from there. <clears throat> Both times are great. They, you know, they, they're on to you extremely quickly because obviously they, they can all count themselves. Uh, you know, pull you away from the table and just shake your hand and compliment you on how good your game is. 
and uh, it's just, it's just really really pleasant. It's just the highlight of the trip. Oh uh, yeah, and it's so you got the, a really nice casino. You got the official stamp of approval, the U.S. stamp of approval in Verona. Yeah, yeah, and they tell you the things, some of the things like that they looked out for, um, you know, like pulling out money to insure two bad hands. That's that's the obvious thing. Stephen, what was your? Yeah, did you have a similar Verona? No, I didn't. I didn't play there. I mean, I think they're just the nicest back off I had. I probably shouldn't name the casino, but it was uh, a casino where someone they were like, "I actually really like your videos," and he just had this really nice chat with me. It just when whenever you get a member of staff that actually does like and respect card counting and maybe has a passion for it, this guy was talking about multi-level counts and stuff, so clearly knew what he was on about. And it's just it's just nice, and and those moments are really refreshing when you can have so many back offs that are just cold or just really unpleasant and some of these passive aggressive ones where they can't back you off so they just do other measures were like pretty unpleasant so yeah i think that to me was like a, a personal highlight it's just polite <laughs> staff being nice and there were some really nice dealers at that same casino it was just a good vibe nice yeah it is really it is a uh, refreshing when you can get some nice interactions in a sometimes sea of unpleasant encounters and so steven will we have this trip uh is will this trip be on youtube soon why yes indeed yeah youtube.com slash Stephen Bridges once I get it edited it'll be all on there yeah. well I'm so glad you guys had a really good trip uh, back to the US I welcome you guys back to the US anytime and uh, keep beating up our casinos I welcome it glad you guys got to meet and uh, team up and it was a great experience so thanks so much for joining us and it was really great to hear your story thanks for having us thank you